Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company in this conversation. Joining us today on Brand Story Inc. is Dr. Marcus Collins, the fifth and final keynote speaker in our Content Marketing World series, previewing the best of the best at our industry's all-star convention. Marcus is an award-winning marketer and cultural translator with one foot in the world of practice, serving as the head of planning at Wyden Kennedy, New York, and one foot in the world of academia as a marketing professor at the Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan. His deep understanding of brand strategy and consumer behavior has helped him bridge the academic practitioner gap for blue chip brands and startups alike. He's a recipient of Advertising Age's 40 Under 40 Award, Crane Business's 40 Under 40 Award, recent inductee into American Advertising Federation's Advertising Hall of Achievement. And over the course of his career, which we're going to dive into, Marcus has developed a practice for what I love, creating culturally contagious ideas that inspire people to take action. You know his work. You've seen it on part of the launch and success of Budweiser's Made in America Music Festival, the launch of Bud Light Platinum the Brooklyn Nets Hello Brooklyn campaign, and probably most famously State Farm's Cliff Paul campaign, among others. Prior to his advertising tenure, Marcus began his career in music and tech with a startup he co-founded before working on iTunes and Nike Sport music initiatives at Apple and running digital strategy for Beyonce. Uh, Not many people can boast Cliff Paul and Beyonce in their resume. Pretty impressive. Marcus holds a doctorate (laughs) in marketing from Temple, where he studied social contagion within cultures of consumption, and the Detroit native holds both an MBA and undergrad degree from Big Blue at the University of Michigan. Welcome to the show, Marcus. Thank you so much, Jay. That was amazing. I appreciate it. Oh, man. Damn. I mean, anytime you got, you know, Bud Light, Cliff Paul, and Beyonce, you got to go all the way there, right? I mean, excited to have you. You know, I think most episodes of Brand Story are about the best practices and tactics of superior content marketing and branded content. But today we're going to elevate that level up and talk more about the ethos of building community through content. And Marcus, you're going to help us open our minds and some hearts to get there. But before we do a bit on your journey, I'd love to dive into your role as professor at Ross and being the head of planning, chief strategy officer for Widen Kennedy. You write about bridging the practitioner and academic gap. Share how you are doing just that. You know, I've, I've been extremely fortunate to work on, on some really, really important brands that span a wide category of industries. Um, and I've also been very fortunate to, to, to study some very rigorous ideas with some extremely uh, skilled researchers. And what I found is as a practitioner, um, there's so many things that we don't get a chance to investigate or interrogate um, that we get to do in the academic world. But in an academic side, I realize that there's a level of pragmatism that we don't necessarily apply mm-hmm. to the work. So sitting at the convergence of two has been great for me. Um, you know, I, I, I started studying culture after uh, while I was working at an agency called Translation and was started by Steve Stout, mm-hmm. that was all about like understanding culture. And I realized that culture is the word that we often use but seldom really understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, we use it colloquially as marketers. We use it all the time. And I hear clients say, like, you know, we need to be a part of culture. We need to be, you know, impact culture. Mm-hmm. And I say, yeah, totally, 100 percent. And I really sat and thought about it. It's like, well, what does that mean exactly? Mm-hmm. And, and, and they got me. Uh, that, that got me doing a lot of reading about the social sciences, uh, understanding anthropology, uh, 
social psychology, sociology. And the more I invested in those things, the better my work got as a practitioner. Hmm. Like the more I started really understanding the underlying physics of why we do what we do, the more informed the work became, the strategies became that had a more predictable outcome. And that was just intoxicating for, for a marketer, particularly a strategist. It's like, oh man, <laughs> I, can, I, I can carve out things that have these, you know, not 100% predictability, yeah. but a greater predictability on what's going to happen on the, the outside of it. And seeing it demonstrated in the work, seeing it manifesting in the work that we're putting in the world as, as an advertiser, as a marketer, it, it, I became that much more, uh, more intoxicated and have a greater infinity for academia. Is, is there and, one, Marcus, that, that jumps out as kind of, that illustrates that point of how it informed, like a campaign or a piece that pe something that people listening might've seen? Oh yeah. I mean, you think about Cliff Paul in and yeah. of itself, you know, we had the idea of, of, uh, uh, of going after this idea of that Cliff Paul is an all-star um, State Farm agent and, Chris Paul is an all-star NBA player. Mm -hmm. They both were twins separated at birth. And mm -hmm. that's not real at all, right? That's right, just fake. Right. That's not real, right? But what we decided to do was actually borrow from theory from George Lowenstein, hmm. who says that if you create a gap in knowledge, it acts as cognitive deprivation that, that catalyzes people to close the gap, hmm. right? So theory goes that like if there's a certain thing that we don't know, it's like we've got we feel incomplete without having closed the gap. That's why you, you watch movies that you've seen that you you know it's not good, but you're like three ways into it, three you know three quarters into it. You're like I just got to finish it to see how it ends. Mm -hmm. The gap in knowledge is it's a challenge for us cognitively. So in our minds, like well, let's create a gap in knowledge that people will want to close. The mm -hmm. same thing happened when we launched uh, when I got a chance to to work on the Brooklyn Nets, moving the New Jersey Nets to Brooklyn to become mm -hmm. the Brooklyn Nets. I took a page right out of Edward Bernays propaganda theory. And the idea there is that you create an enemy. If you, you can bring a group of people together by declaring an enemy of the state. Hmm. And luckily for us, Brooklyn has an enemy of the state called Manhattan. <laughs> so we can pit Brooklyn against Manhattan mm -hmm. as a way to bring Brooklynites together and use the Brooklyn Nets as a badge of identity, as hmm. a receipt of who you are. Um, and it's been that those sort of uh, practical applications of theory that have been like the the turbocharge to everything I've done as an advertiser since. I mean, we're doing it right it. now at Widen with you know these amazing brands we have from Ford to to Bud Light, AB InBev, Broadly, mm -hmm. uh, McDonald's. Like we're we're taking the theory. That is the best representation, best description of how the world works, and we're applying it to the work that we put in the world. That's awesome. Thanks for illustrating that. What what uh, what a cool curtain pullback on that. You know, the gap of knowledge and and how you created manifested that in the sense of twins, fictitious twins to right. create that. Really cool. Well, you have the advantage, right? Like with having that foot planted in both. You know, I'm curious um, how you're shaping relatively young grad students to think empathetically in digital media. Like, based on your interactions, where do you see this generation of future practitioners taking the content marketing world? I think at its core, we have to redefine what we mean by content and what we mean by digital. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is, I mean, this is what I found to be one of the most illuminating things now being an academic, you know, finished in my, my work at Temple mm -hmm. as, um, 
you know, now I'm Dr. Marcus Collins, which is awesome. I'm never getting used to saying that, but I'll keep <laughs> on saying it. Um, and then, you know, being firmly planted at, at Ross as a, as a, as a professor, you know, on the academic side, man, we are surgical about language. Like mm-hmm. we, like we, mm-hmm. we, man, we will hair split um, <laughs> language because we want accuracy. We know how powerful language is. Language is the tool we use so that we can interrogate a thing. We can discuss a thing and debate a thing. On the marketing side, man, as a practitioner, we are so flippant about language. It's 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 scary to see it as academic. Well, man, what do you mean? You said that. Now you said this. You use them as synonyms, but they're not they're not that congruent. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I try to do in my classes, in my class work, the teaching that I do at Ross, particularly with the MBA students, is they get down to radical simplicity when it comes to the language that we use. So when we say digital, what does digital mean? Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, I teach digital marketing for undergrads. At Ross, and you know, I give them readings. In the first class, we, we we come to class, and I say, "All right, folks, we live in a digital world." And everyone's kind of eyes rolling. Of course, we do. Like that's no surprise, right? And then I kind of go back to how we got here, saying that you know, we the digital world we live in is this massive change. At least how, how we think about it. But this isn't the first time that mankind has experienced such a technological revolution, if you will. Mm-hmm. We did it when we went from hunter-gatherers to agriculture, from agriculture to industrial revolution, yeah. and now we're in this world of, of digital. And they all go, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I say, all right, cool, so define digital. What is digital? <laughs> and when I hear responses back, they're either descriptions of its characteristics. It allows you to do this, and it can do that. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. That is a characteristic, but what is it? And then when I, you know, maybe they'll say, well, there's the physical world, there's analog world, and there's this like electronic world, mm-hmm. that's digital. And I go, okay, so, but what is it though? So we're defining by a medium, is digital only a medium? And once we kind of go through this exercise, this round robin for about 15 minutes, we all realize that like we use a word that don't really have a really great definition for it, mm-hmm. a concrete definition for it. And then that's when I offer language. And that language becomes the foundation for which we scaffold more nuance, we scaffold more complex thinking. And this we, we need to do in the classroom more, but we also need to do it in our boardrooms as well. Mm-hmm. We, we gotta do it as practitioners. And as we get better at having surgical language, I mean, in academia we call it a construct, that is a, a word that can be operationalized, right? Like mm-hmm. we can use it. Um, so when we talk about digital, what is the construct for digital and how do we know when digital is happening, when it's not happening? Like what is digital? What is not digital? When you build that scaffolding, what, where, how do you then define it? How do you? So I define it. Digital is the technology that generates stores and processes data in the form of zeros and ones, mm-hmm. right? Zeros and ones. Mm-hmm. Like it's binary code. We, we yep. call it digital because it's made up of digits, yep. right? The technology generates stores and processes data in the form of zeros and ones. Great. Awesome. Now, if I said, all right, Jay, that's digital. Go create some digital stuff. Mm-hmm. You'd probably be like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> cool. Now, the next level of the scaffold. Right. So now that we know what digital is, the question becomes, how do we apply it? What makes digital right. so powerful? It's application. Right. And what makes digital so powerful is not just that it generates stores and processes data in the form of zeros and ones. What makes digital so powerful is that it can connect to other things that generates stores and processes data in the form of zeros and ones. That is, it can be networked. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, a, you know, what's interesting, Marcus, is that it's, it, there's an ageism component to this, too. Right. I'm a 47 year old guy. 
I work in the media business, the content business in particular. And to people roughly over the age of, I'll say 40, right? The 40 plus set, digital is almost a descriptor. It's almost like a defense mechanism of defining non-linear, right? That's right. Linear equals TV. And then there's this other thing that's everything else. And those that grew up in, you know, uh, of our age uh, have that, you know, kind of binary, there's TV and then TV's dying and it's all going digital, right? And to your point, That's the right. construct is much more literal of like, what is it? Really? And it's frustrating because, I mean, you work in an agency. The agency world, I think, is completely screwed up, right? The fact that brands have like a digital agency or like, or a brand has like seven different agencies that are different agencies that are fundamentally at odds with one another when they should be right. trying to, you know, uh, you know, oh yeah, but they're experts and they're supposed to be working together. I mean, to your point, if you take that, that approach that you just did and apply it to the, the practical world, it's just a mess, right? I, and, I think you, you know get everyone in a room. <laughs> I mean, th- th- that is because media drives advertising. Mm-hmm. So when we think about media, that is the vehicle by which information is communicated or trans mm-hmm. or, or transported, we think about media as real estate. Mm-hmm. And what what communicative payload will I use to populate this real estate? So then we got above the line, through the line, below the line. Like mm-hmm. everything is so media focused. Therefore, we think about digital as a medium. It's either analog or it's less electronic thing. It's either on television or it's on my phone or on my laptop. I mean, interestingly enough, like if you ask people, just regular old folks, you know, uh, what TV show are you watching? They'll say, oh, I'm watching uh, Bridgerton. Mm -hmm. Now, advertisers, media folks would say, no, 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 no. That is oh, that's, that's OOT, right? That that, yeah. is, that is uh, over the top. Yeah. Like, that's not television. That's right. not a television show. That's an over the top show. And some of our regular faces would be like, dude, it's a television show. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? It's a show. I just yeah. so happen to watch it to right. be delivered through Netflix, but I'm watching it on my television in my right. home. Right. That that blows our mind as marketers. We right. go, oh, how do we how do we account for that via the media? Yeah. When I when I say, man, scrap all of that. Yeah. Like. We think about digital as a medium that is, it yeah. was physical, now it's not. That's like first order digital. Yeah. That's digitalization. Yeah. Right. And there's some benefits to that, but like digitalization is a new, is an old, old, old thing, right? You had a thermometer that used mercury to, to take your temperature. Then you had a thermometer that used uh, um, LCDs, like electronic crystal displays to tell your temperature, which would be quote unquote digital, right? Like, was that a massive shift? Not really, but it wasn't until things were able to connect to other things that generate store and process data in the form of zeros and ones that were able to be networked that it became, whoa, this is a game changer. And that's where digital is at its most powerful. It's ability to facilitate the network of things, their behaviors, their patterns, their structures. And when we think about digital that way, it completely yeah. widens the aperture yeah. for how we how we as marketers show up in a digital world is no longer do we populate television or your phone. It's how do we connect things that normally were disparate. Well, and that's, that's the work that we do. Like we think about at widen, like that's yeah. how we see the world. And that's how we operate in it. Well, I think Dr. Collins, you need to take the larger, your, your Ross approach and what you do at Widen Kennedy and bring the agencies 
into the room to have the same conversation because Amen. <laughs> I mean, Amen. you live that frustration as well. So I want to shift gears here because you did something. Um, I, I went down a rabbit hole in advance of this conversation and, and I dug in a little bit on a book that you co-authored called Contemporary Issues in Digital Marketing. Now that we've yes, sir. dissected the word, uh, I found it to be fascinating, perhaps most so in how you created the book and flipped the old school model of speaker presentations at conferences on its head and created a collaborative approach. I, I'd love for you to explain what you and your colleagues did to create this book and what you learned from the experience. Yeah, so my um, thank you for that. My my my, um, my co-conspirator, my partner at Ross, um, a guy by the name of Professor John Branch, who actually was my professor when I was in the MBA program, mm-hmm. and and ushered me into the world of academia. Um, he and I work on everything on the academic side, and you know he had this idea of doing an anthology, and it's like you know look the 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 digital marketing is so wide mm-hmm. that. There's no way that he and I and Eldad, our, our other co-author and co-editor, there's no way that the three of us could capture it all. So we thought, well, what if we, you know, what if we, if we network this thing and brought people from different walks of life, whether it's academia, practice, whether you're here in the States or, or, or even in Saudi, right, get these different people in the world to come together and help us, like, sort of put our arms around mm-hmm. this enormous thing that is digital marketing and look at it from a lot of different perspectives and create this sort of tableau of what digital could be arguably is and how it could be applied. Um, so we got some, some academics from really great schools. We've got um, like some practitioners in the world of advertising, John Bond, for instance, who is the bond of Kershaw Bond and Bond mm-hmm. uh, wrote, wrote a, a, a chapter we also had Ed Swajnajar uh, from Apple, who's my old boss at Apple, who mm. now is, is Spotify, um, wrote a chapter about entertainment, and digital, some folks from BU, and just so many different walks of life to provide different set of lenses to look at this world from different, uh, different, different perspectives. We thought that would be the best way to capture a book. For something that's as enormous as digital marketing is, contemporary digital marketing. Yeah, I, I read, and, and maybe you can uh, validate this or refute it, but I, I read that one of the impetuses for the book was just that you guys were seeing people going to do these, you know, across the country to do these presentations. They'd put all this work in, they'd go and do it, speak in front of 100 people, then go to cocktail hour, and that was it. And it was like, well, instead of having these disparate conference presentations on, various elements of digital marketing how do we lasso that and have people come to us and kind of create this cohesive thing i I just thought it was awesome and you guys had quite the response when you put the feelers out there for people to participate it sounded like yeah it was it was really awesome you know the whole thing is about like new paradigms new meanings new practices like so how like if if we're if we're creating new meaning frames around this thing then we needed to have a lot of diversity mm-hmm. in, 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 in thought. And to your point, there were so many people that had like really rich perspectives, but it felt like hitting a, hitting a wall in multiple places. And I think it was like, well, let's bring all the, the punches together and hit the wall in one place, actually make a dent. And that was the, that was the aim, the ambition of, of, of doing the book together. And we had tons of submissions. We picked the chapters that we thought were the strongest and that we thought like hung together the best, but also in some cases challenged each other's thinking. Um, and we brought all of them to, to, to University of Michigan, to, to Ann Arbor, 
to do this uh, symposium, mm-hmm. right? We brought all these people together yeah. and everyone read each other's chapters. We talked about it. We That's debated awesome. it. We so had cool. discourse around it. We broke bread together, went to a, a, a game at the, the big house, which nice. is always awesome. Yep. I mean, it, it, it felt it, so like it wasn't people just sending in chapters and then yep. we curated them. This was a collaborative effort. So though, while John, myself, and Elgod, we were the editors for it, a lot of this was self-edited by yeah. the collective. So everyone knew each other's chapters. So when we referenced other chapters within a chapter, awesome. it wasn't just sort of like name-plating. It was like, hey, just like Laura Sawyer said, Dr. Laura Sawyer mm-hmm. said in her chapter, you know, this is another way to look at that exact same thing or an, another articulation of the exact same thing. Awesome. Well, I watched your, I watched your TED Talk speak in diversity entitled too foreign for here the life of a black sheep which goes deep on your life as a black man who quote loved the monkeys as much as tribe called quest and great <laughs> yeah. line and the challenges of of being at times too black for whites and too white for blacks and i thought what was what really resonated with me in your talk was you had a line in there where you discussed not wanting to romanticize diversity but to celebrate uniting humanity which i thought was just a beautiful line and, and I wanted to pose the question to you here to kind of take that forward. How do you invite brands to think about this line and how does it translate into practice? Yeah, I, I think that um, when we talk about diversity, you know, it, it has become, unfortunately, a bit of like the buzzword du jour. Mm-hmm. Like this is kind of the word that we're, that we're all looking for. Um, and to me, celebrating humanity is about understanding that we are different, but there are a lot that we have alike. And the notion is like, how do we get to the differences while also learning from, get to the, the part that we have a like while mm-hmm. also learning from the differences? I mean, it's so, it's so interesting, you know, growing up in Detroit, blackest city in, in the country, um, you know, having this sort of, this, this, uh, this, this mixture of, of experiences, you know, like, I, like mm-hmm. I literally, we used to watch the monkeys on Nickelodeon. It was amazing. I loved it, right? And none of my friends at school ever watched the monkeys. Like, they were like, <laughs> the monkeys, what are you talking about? And my brother and I loved the monkeys. Um, but just as much as I loved Tribe Called Quest, nothing about El Segundo. Like, that was my joint, right? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, scenario, check the rhyme. Like, the, like the, my experiences were so different, but yet I can find so many similarities, which allowed me to sort of code switch so well. Mm-hmm. Like while they were so different, understanding where these things were alike helped me not like sort of, you know, put diversity on a pedestal and say, oh, let's all bow to diversity, but also, but more so saying, man, when we have diverse perspectives, when it's heterogeneity, it's so much more beautiful. I mean, and as a hip hop fan, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no other demonstrative representation of that. Hip hop at its core is about taking things from different disparate things, i.e. network things, yeah. and bring them together to create something completely new and, and, and awesome. But the only way we get there is by celebrating the differences. Mm-hmm. Right, that's all the way you get Jesus. Right, you bring Daft Punk and and uh, and yeah. Kanye and Mike Dean and Travis Scott to create this body of work that by the, by itself, but with one one particular genre, will never be as eclectic as it is. Like to me, that's celebrating humanity. It's celebrating our differences while also paying mind and respect to where these things are closely related, where they are the same. Yeah, I just love that. You know, not don't romanticize diversity, celebrate uniting humanity. I just, 
I mean, that's T-shirt worthy, my friend. Right. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, another part to that, man, I'm, and I'm so glad you brought this up. It's like, you know, we talk about DE&I oh, initiatives yes. and organizations, right? And, I, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm an advocate for DE&I, huge advocate for DE&I. But my take is like, I think you, we got the order and we had, we, we're looking at the wrong order. Look at diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think we're just looking at inclusion, equity, and diversity. Because mm, the thing is that. that, like, you've got people in your organization right now who are diverse, yep. who who are who are not like the the majority. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that give them like make them feel like they belong, and yep. give them a voice, a seat at the table. Then bring in more people. Because if you don't do that you're actually bringing people into an environment that they're not going to feel included. Well, I think to your point, right? Like I'm on a lot of calls with brands and agencies all the time and DE&I is getting whipped around. You talk about code switching. There's like coded language. Like DE&I has become like a box check mandate in many places where people are whipping it around like, hey, how can I check off my DE&I, right? We're doing something right now on, uh, we've got a, a property around Roberto Clemente, right? Who's obviously Latino. And so we're having those conversations. People are like, oh, wow, DE&I. And it's just like, okay, in the D, if we're really honest about it, the D right now is code for black, right? And yes, we're, we're, right. we're having these conversations like, look, diversity is, diversity, equity, inclusion, to your point, it's not just a black issue, right? It's, That's right. it's, one out of five, almost one out of five Americans is Latino, right? And so there's this, um, you talked about code switching, which I thought was a completely different topic, but there is this like coded language in society now, especially in advertising and marketing around DE&I that I think that's why I wanted to hit on this point because what you're talking about is the opposite of that, right? It's the authenticity right. around it, which is which is cool. So I'm curious. I mean, three years, three years ago, diversity meant uh, woman. Yes, Yep. We have we have a woman leader now. Yep. We hit diversity. Yep. Right. And, it, and it's when we, we, we sort of like knee jerk response to what's happening in the, 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 the popular zeitgeist. Yep. As opposed to saying, what do we really believe? Exactly. What do we really feel? Diversity isn't just gender, isn't just race. It's also uh, it's also religion. It's all, like it's all like what we want. We, and why do we want to do this? We want to do this because we actually are better when we have heterogeneity in the room, yep. like like, yep. le- like legitimate. Like one of my yep. my colleagues, Professor Scott Page at Ross School of Business, he like he's done he's done algorithms on this. He's done like math mathematical models that like companies are better when there are when there is diversity. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't we do that? But we have to do that for the sake of what our convictions are with regard to diversity, equity, inclusion, as opposed to knee-jerk responses. Well, I mean, I'm, you've got me on the edge of my seat right now. I'm so psyched. So I'm curious, as one of the keynote featured speakers at Content Marketing World, which is September 20th to October 1st in Cleveland, Ohio, if, for those listeners, if you want to register, I'm going to be there. Dr. Collins is going to be there. Um, you've heard several of our, our recent guests who are going to be there. Uh, go there now, and you can put the promo code brand story 100 and get 100 bucks off on your registration uh i'd love to get a sneak peek of what you're going to be talking about and what you're hoping thousands of content marketers are going to walk away from uh after they hear you speak in cleveland indeed so i'm going to talk about uh, a topic that's not too foreign what we've been uh discussing here about legitimation 
So hmm. I, I did my doctoral research in meaning making and cultural contagion. Mm-hmm. And one of the, 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 the social processes of social contagion and cultural contagion is legitimation. It's this notion of how we collectively decide what is acceptable. Hmm. Like, how do we collectively decide what's okay, what's cool, what's not cool, delegitimate, mm-hmm. what's not cool? Um, and the, the you mean the answer is not the answer is not a Twitter poll result? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, in, in the talk, I'm going to you know unpack this idea of legitimation and sort of shine a light on how powerful marketing and media is with regards to what we decide is legitimate. Hmm. Right. If you look at what marketers have done historically, we've done a very, uh, a, a, a very, a, a very significant job of deciding or helping the populace decide what is okay and what isn't. Yep. What sneakers are in, what's not. What what celebrity is cool, what isn't. Even even gay marriage mm-hmm. ushered in very much by the stories that were told by content creators, by uh, media producers, mm-hmm. by marketers. Like, we did that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Like, we should be applauding ourselves that we had that power. So because we had that power, we also then have a responsibility. Yep. Well, I, and that's I, and that's what the talk is going to really focus on. I mean, if you're listening to this and you're not excited to go to content marketing world, by the way, and I'm not getting paid, uh, Brand Story Inc. It's not a sponsor. I'm doing this just because I believe in it, and it's our community of, of folks here who I'm so impressed by. Uh, you know, I had Joel Polizzi, the founder, on uh, recently. You know, I'm just so impressed by, as you can hear, Dr. Collins and and the others, uh, his colleagues that are speaking there. It's just. I'm trying to rally us all together because as you're hearing Dr. Collins, like you have the ability to create, well, as you said, you know, one of my favorite lines, culturally contagious ideas that inspire people to take action. And that's, that's what it's all about. So, you know, with that, I want to, I want to segue one of my, um, I've long admired Wyden Kennedy from the ESPN. This is sports center campaigns to the work with Nike, the work that you've been doing, um, you know, with Cliff Paul, but I think I was smitten as a business owner with, Wyden Kennedy, when I once read an article where Dan Wyden was quoted on what success meant to him, and I'm paraphrasing here, I couldn't find the direct quote, uh, I couldn't find, it was, this is probably 15 to 20 years ago, he said something along the lines of, success is the ability to say no to working with assholes, and I just, I just love that, I was like, <laughs> I hope that's on a wall somewhere at WNK, but, uh, you know, with that in mind, I'm curious, um, in 2021, as we tape this in June of 2021, through your Wyden Kennedy hat, what's your approach to branded content? Oh man, uh, branded content are it's the stories that we tell. Actually, no, I say it better. Good branded content are the stories that brands start. Right? We also talk about like marketers should be storytellers. Let's mm-hmm. tell a story. And I think, like, yeah, that's fine. Like you know, in 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 a film. That is a one-way film that, like, you're going to view this as an audience member. Fine. Cool. Sweet. Tell a story. Like, I go to the movies. I want someone to tell me a story. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about content, right? And one would argue that television is a content. Like, mm-hmm. a film is a content. A, a, a spot is a content. Mm-hmm. For me, this is really about how do we start stories? How do we spark stories? Mm. We're talking about content. Like, how do I start a thing? And then kind of step away and watch the community enter discourse, build on it in a, mm-hmm. in a very uh, 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 improvisational way. Mm-hmm. And like when we talk about 
the stories that we start and widen. Like I think of, I think about things like uh, McDonald's, perfect example of this. You know, we'll do a tweet that says, um, you know, can I get a uh... – and that's the tweet. And the <laughs> idea is that, like, if you've been to a McDonald's, which all of us have been to – You've done that. You know the menu yeah, forwards and yeah. backwards, but you always get to the get to the register. And you go, can I get uh, <laughs> right? And yeah. and like that's just starting a thing. Yeah. And if someone goes, that's so me, yo fam, I'll do that. And like, yeah. and those things they activate a network of people to engage. Yep. They start stories. I love it. And and to me, I think that's when branded content is at its best. And then I'll go back to McDonald's again because McDonald's. The approach from McDonald's is that this is we're fans just like you are. Mm-hmm. Like this is fan to fan. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we are celebrating the fans of McDonald's because we are one as well, right? So all this stuff is fan to fan. So if you're a fan of McDonald's, right, you know that like you, you know the can I get a you know what that is, mm-hmm. and this is sort of like a nod, and a wink. It's like it's like yeah. it's like, it's coded language. Yep. Back to coded language. Of like, yo, we are one and the same. Yep. And these things, they're not merely ways for us to sort of beat in our chest and say, you know, we're so great. No, they're, they're ways by which people connect with the people that matter to them. Yeah, there's a whole psychology, which is probably a different podcast for this, but to your point, right? It's like, I talk about this all the time. As a brand, regardless of your brand, and your brand could be an individual brand, the whole ethos of social media is you know, to your point, legitimization or validation of other people's voices and giving people That's a platform. Right. Yeah. Like, don't underestimate the power of McDonald's as a brand liking a tweet like of somebody or engaging a conversation. That in and of itself, people are like, oh my gosh, like they recognize me. That's a huge, That's right. right? Like, it's just, that's power. Um, Who and, doesn't want to be seen? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the most human, you know, affirmation and being seen in one of the most, you know, inner traits of humanity and to your point i just love you use the word radical simplicity and i love the framework of story starting as opposed to storytelling right like that's just like a a a north star that i think all brands would benefit from just remembering that right it's not they don't know it it's remembering it Um, that's right that's right and none of this man none of this is rocket science i mean anytime i'm like teaching it or giving a talk like i always feel like a fraud because none of this is like i'm not like I'm not, I, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. Yeah. All it is to your point is like, keep this front of mind and yep. use it. Yep. And you've you got the tools you need. Just, just use it. I mean, social media by definition is people media. It's yep. a media of people. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't we be radically focused on understanding people and why they do what they do? Love it. Love it. All right. So going to finish here on the personal side. I'm very curious in this one. We have a segment called morning musts mm. and, and we explore uh, our guests' email inboxes, social feeds, and other sources of intel from a work perspective on how you stay on yeah. top of all the things industry-related. So pull the curtain back on your world. What's what's your morning routine look like? Uh, who do you follow? Who do you let into the world of Dr. Collins to wow. help shape you? That's a good one. So I'll say, I mean, every morning in my inbox at 5 in the morning, there's always Seth Godin in there. I mean, the man nice. is so unbelievably mm-hmm. prolific. His his newsletter is is phenomenal, uh, but I tell you who I'm always waiting for, uh, and I, I fortunately have to call him my friend at this point, um, Doctor Grant McCracken. Grant McCracken is a monster. He is 
to me, he's one of the the most groundbreaking anthropologists hmm. in the world of culture and consumption. Um, he he has a very large footprint on my doctoral work. <laughs> hmm. In fact, my research builds on top of uh, his work that was published in 1986. My my work continues uh, that that work forward. So I'm always waiting for what uh, Grant's going to post. I'm always my favorite posts are, are what comes from Grant McCracken. Um, that's on the the academic side, uh, but I'm always wait, waiting for that. But outside of that, man, like I I am addicted to to TikTok, unfortunately. Uh, but I mean, it, it really is an addiction. I can just kind of keep scrolling on and on because I, I love that it gives me an opportunity to view people in such a raw form. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm in search of truth, the best representation of truth, rather. And what these platforms provide for us, social networking platforms provide for us, is to watch people in a seemingly neutral environment. Yes, people curate themselves, but we do that anyway, yep. right? In real life, you know, in 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 non zeros and ones world. So of course we would do it on these platforms. But it gets to it gets to watch people in aggregate in really powerful ways and see how people influence each other. Um, so I, I spend Very cool. far too much time on on uh, on TikTok and of course Reddit. Huge, huge, huge Reddit. In fact, my research um, uses Reddit data. So those are the three things. Fantastic. All right. Final question for you, Dr. Collins. And by the way, if you're liking what you're hearing, you can follow uh, Dr. Marcus Collins on Twitter at M-A-R-C-T-O-T-H-E-C. Mark to the C. At Mark to the C. Uh, Bedside book stand. I know you're on the road right now, but what's on it? What are you reading for fun? Oh, for, well, I, mean, I don't read anything for fun. <laughs> Every, I don't. I mean, everything is. I'm going to say everything is work, but it's fun for me because I love it. I'm I'm so fascinated by. It. I feel like I have the best job in the world because I absolutely love what I do. I feel actually honored, grateful mm-hmm. that I get to do this for a living. Um, but the two things I'm reading right now, because I'm always reading two things at the same time. Um, I'm reading. Raymond Williams, Culture and Materialism, and I just got the um, uh, the early print of Red Marketing by Greg Creed and Ken Munch, hmm. who are both awesome people. Greg uh, used to be the CEO of Young Brands, hmm. and Ken is the, the current CMO of Young Brands, and they wrote a book uh, about their, uh, their framework, which I actually teach at Ross, so I was excited to, to, to read it. So I just got it right before we got on the road, so I'm awesome. stoked to, to start reading it. Well, Dr. Marcus Collins, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule. Super excited to meet you, hear you. You had my, you can't see me, but my head tilted a few times, which is the ultimate sign of like getting people to think differently, which, which is what this is about. I'm so excited to see you in Cleveland uh, at Content Marketing World. Thank you for your time. My pleasure, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.